I'm Andrew. I'm Lee. And this is Whitaker Weekly. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Alright, where are we starting off today? Starting off today, uh, this last week, the Venom trailer hit. Trailer for her, uh, Sony's Venom pick. Right. Uh, with Tom Hardy as uh, the main character. Um, a lot of people online seem to kind of be making fun of the trailer. Mm. Um, but I'm just kind of an average movie-going guy. And, uh, it's piqued my interest. I want to see it. I mean, I love Tom Hardy. I love the character Venom. I kind of want to see what they do with it. Uh, I heard um, it, uh, something that's not widely reported. That I've mm-hmm. heard that uh, it's actually based on a alternate universe story arc where Venom became his own anti-hero in absence of Spider-Man. And okay. so, and so that's why they went with the story arc that they did instead of having Tom Hardy be the foil to, um, say, say, uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, mm, and okay. and reintroducing that into the mm-hmm. uh, into the mix. So maybe we'll see uh, Tom Holland versus Tom Hardy Spider-Man versus Venom movie eventually. Mm-hmm. But this one seems to be a standalone that's completely. Um, I've heard rumor that we'll see Tom Holland in it. I've heard uh, rumor as well that, you know, it has nothing to do with the MCU. Heard lots of rumors. Just, you know, whatever. Just go ahead and, uh, you know, I'm going with, to withhold any, any and all judgment of the movie until I've actually seen it. All right. Okay. Uh, next up, um, Dark Horse Comics. They have the rights to publish the English version of the manga for Mob Psycho 100. Dark Horse. That's fantastic. Yep, I'm excited. I've already got the first issue pre-ordered on Amazon. Um, I was worried about them uh, as a company for a while after Disney bought up uh, Lucasfilm because some of Dark Horse's biggest properties were uh, expanding the Star Star Wars. Wars. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, But but it looks like they're picking up Mob Psycho, so they're probably still uh, going along somehow. They're they're picking up Mob Psycho, yeah. Um, The first issue is scheduled for release release uh october 24th this year mm-hmm. um no i'm excited for it and speaking of which um i didn't put it on our list to talk about but there is going to be a live action mob cycle show that's going to be airing on um on netflix i think it's actually coming out in may uh it's only for a tiny like the the, the netflix may trailer only had a couple of seconds of it and uh I don't know, maybe just the animation style of the uh, and the art style of the show won me over. But as I was watching that little bit, I'm just like, mm, no, sorry. Yeah, there's there there does come a problem when you try to adapt um, anime into other medium that don't have that have quite as forgiving a gap of um, you know suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Because watching Mob Psycho animation, watching those girls walk around with vegetables for heads. You totally bought it. Yeah, no, because you saw it from his perspective. Like, all those other girls are just vegetables compared to the one girl that he's got a crush on. (laughs) It's a great little bit. Okay, uh, so next up in news. Uh, Next up in news, um, it's just been announced that the Nintendo Switch console has eight games that have sold more than a million units apiece. Um, it turns out they are Super Mario Odyssey has sold 10.4 million. Ooh. Mario Kart 8 at 9.2 million. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for 8.4, almost 8.5 million units. Is that just for the Switch or is that including... This is just for the Switch. Okay, they pr- I'm 
I'm thinking they probably... Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and pull it up and take a look at it myself, but I think that number would be bigger if it was a Switch exclusive. But they released it for the Wii U as well. Yes, Anyways, yeah. Um, 6 million units for Splatoon. Uh, 2.3 million units for 1-2 Switch. Uh, 1.85 for ARMS. 1.3 for Xenoblade Chronicles. And 1.26 for Kirby Star Allies. So... Nintendo's uh, making a bit of a comeback with this uh, console. Oh, the Switch has been huge for Nintendo. It's uh, it's awesome. I love my Switch. I play it all the time. So. Okay. Um, what so, do we got next? Uh, up next, uh, these are a couple of personal things. Uh, I picked up issue 11 of the Devil's Apart Timer. It came out just last week. Uh, issue 11 of the, um, of the light novel. Hold on. Is it 11 or 10? I think it might be 10. Let me double check here. Yeah, so you've been addicted to that light novel. It's just been... I wouldn't go so far as to say addicted. I got the last issue in... Excuse me. I got the last issue in November. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really have the time to read it until last month. So I like buying them and I like pre-ordering them on on Amazon because I'm able to, you know, get them for cheaper that way. Sure. Um, But yeah, okay, so it is. It's volume 10 that just came out Ah. last week. Okay, so volume uh, so, 10 mm-hmm. of The Devil is a Part-Timer, the light novel. Yep, and uh, in it we see the devil uh, teamed up with uh, Suzuno to go rescue their friends who are currently being held captive. Um, Exciting. I'm very excited for it. And then issue 6 of Vox Machina Origins came out last week. Uh, Vox Machina Origins is the uh, comic book series that tell how, the, the kind of the first arc for the um, for Critical Role. Before they started showing on Twitch. Right. It's how the characters got together and formed a party first. Right. So, yeah, that's uh, that was uh, Vox uh, Machina Origins, issue six. That's the last issue of Mo- Vox Machina Origins. Um, there is hope that they will continue on with it and continue to release uh, one issue a month. Uh, just kind of telling the Vox Machina story all in comic comic book format which i would be very very excited to have Mm -hmm. but yeah that that's it for for news for me anything else that you want to cover uh that covers it for me let's go ahead and jump right into three episodes in and this week what are we reviewing this week we are reviewing fist of the blue sky regenesis all right, so we actually looked this up a bit and turns out uh, fist of the blue sky regenesis you make it sound like we don't do research. <laughs> you just made it like, oh, oh, yeah, no, this time we actually looked into it. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> no, um, I didn't know that... Uh, okay, it makes sense that they're calling it Regenesis because it is a reboot of a pre-existing prequel. So what had happened was they made Fist of the North Star, mm-hmm. and then they made the, sequel, the prequel series, Fist of the Blue Sky, mm-hmm. and now... They're redoing the prequel series in this anime. Um, they're not really redoing it. Uh, it's just kind of picking up where the last, where the old one left off. Is it? Um, from from what I read, that this is just a new series. Like apparently there was a new manga release mm-hmm. uh, a few years back, and they decided to turn it into an anime adaptation adaptation as okay. well. Um, but for those of you who don't know what Fist of the North Star is. It is shame one of on the you. most shame on you, but it, it is one of the most over the top, um, violent, 
post-apocalyptic anime that's out there. The main character, Ken Shiro, uh, he is known for um, his brutal, brutal martial art technique known as uh, the Divine Fist of the North Star, mm -hmm. which is a technique of assassins, which is what they call it. Um, pretty much by using his body's natural energy and his opponent's pressure points, he's able to cause opponents to explode from the inside out mm -hmm. or cure almost all known diseases. Yeah. Just by hitting them in certain ways uh, with certain, uh, you know, flows of his own key. Yeah. Um, and the first series, Fist of the, of the North Star, like I said earlier, it's post-apocalyptic. It takes yeah. place after a nuclear war. Um, now, which came first? Uh, Mad Max or Fist of the North Star? Mad Max. Because the art style, the, it's so copied. One came from oh, the other. Oh, yeah, it's... no. You, you can see... Like that that famous shot of Mad Max walking through the desert where he's got the the, the leather uh -huh. vest and like the shoulder pad yeah. and walking with the dog. Yeah, no, that's the exact same suit that Kenshiro wears in yeah. Fist of the North Star. Yeah, he's basically Fist of Mad the North Max. Star came after. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like Mad Max, um, but it's uh, it's mar a martial art arts epic rather than you know just a fight for survival. Yeah, and it goes much deeper with mm -hmm. and goes for much further. Mm -hmm. But he then, in the 2000s, the author created uh, Fist of the Blue Sky, which is a prequel series. Which takes and place between World Wars One and Two. It takes place in the early days of pre-World War Two, right yeah. before it started. Uh, right, right. They, they specifically say 1930X. Yeah, 1930X. Mm-hmm. Um, and this series... Uh, Fist of the Blue Sky Regenesis is a sequel series to the original Fist of the Blue Sky. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, now we've kind of covered that. And it's got the same martial arts styles and stuff, though they go by slightly different names. Sure. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and get right into it. Let's go ahead and do our three episode review. Okay. So, one thing I really liked about the show was the pre-credits narration and the animation style that went with it. That um, was really cool. Um, it kind of reminded me a bit of, uh, what was it, um, Kung Fu Panda and how the opening narration okay, was a bit yeah, of, was, was different. It was mm -hmm. kind of like a 2D um, wipes of things uh -huh. presenting, but, it's kind of, but it, it mimicked the old, um, like... Uh, old parchment art style that you'd expect from the feudal mm -hmm. Japan artwork and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, and it told the story of how practitioners of this art were shunned by martial artists in general because it was just such a brutal, instantly fatal martial art that it was not mm -hmm. well liked. So these people ended up kind of being outcasts. Well, they, Anybody, they explained any... that the monks who came up with it, they were they were monks who were desperately trying to find a way to, to defend, defend themselves. Mm -hmm. In this, it was uh, formed eighteen hundred years ago mm -hmm. in the war during the the Three Kingdoms era in China, when there were three ma massive powers that were constantly fighting each other, trying to take do dominion over all of China. Mm -hmm. And so they say these monks created this martial art in order to defend themselves. Um, but because it was so destructive, then yes, yeah. uh, then it was shunned and, uh, it became, uh, shunned to where it was only passed down to between master and apprentice. Right. And then after that beautiful introduction, gotta brace yourselves, people. Um, it goes into an opening credits that I was not expecting. 
that was 3D. 3D animated. Yep, CG. Anime. CG. The opening credits weren't that bad. I'm like the opening It was just it was a jarring jump from uh-huh. from this beautiful art style to and now here is Okay, I'm not a fan of the 3 of 3D anime. No, I'm just me not. neither. Me neither. It's um, it has a long way to go. It does. And the problem with it is at the moment you have to spend a lot of money to get 3D to look good. You've got to spend a lot of time refining it and the, I've I've gone to classes in 3D animation and modeling and I've I've been through the process myself and I know what it takes and how much work has to go into getting the character model just right, the textures just right, rigging the model to animate it just right, spending time animating it just right. All of these processes have to be done in order perfectly in order to create a perfect product. And if you skimp on any of these steps, it shows. It shows. Mm-hmm. Like somebody punching your burger before you order it. It shows. Um, nope, you're absolutely right. It, uh... And so this show, um, unfortunately, is fall to the victim of uh, cheap production Um Budget cuts. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Maybe if it gets famous enough in the first season, they'll have the budget to put more into it, uh, like what happened with Ruby. Yeah. And as, as seasons progressed, and they had more and more time and more, and more resources to refine the process. Everybody who wasn't a lead character was just like a see-through silhouette. Mm. I I noticed that, though, in the first episode of Fist of the Blue Sky, all the... Uh, all the uh... The, I want to say NPCs, but that's not what they what they are. They're background characters. All the background They're characters, the, all the extras and stuff. They they're all the same. All the men were the exact same model. All the women were the exact same model. And it starts off with a with a gang war going off, and you see a bunch of the exact same characters getting shot down multiple times. The first shot of animation of the people walking and congratulating each other was the clunkiest, just. Not not enough time was spent, and probably didn't have enough. But they, it, it's clear. It's no, clear. it's it's very very clear, and that's very very sad because the story itself is fairly fascinating so far. Oh, it is. I enjoy the story. I enjoy the characters. It's just the animation quality itself is just. <clears throat> Come I, on, I, guys. After, so the first shot is a bit unforgivable, at watching the animation and seeing things happen. But if you can stomach through it, it gets better. Yes, the fights, the CG and the fight scenes, they really dedicated a lot of time to that. That's one of the things that I wrote down that I liked. Yeah. Um, the CG for the fight scenes, they it does feel like that they really did put time and effort into making that look smooth, making that look fluid. Right. Um, and maybe I just got used to the jarring animation, but I didn't notice it so much by the end of the third episode. Yeah, maybe. But yeah. that being said, it was a very, very rough start to the after a great opening. Right. So, hit the ground running, then it stumbled right away. Yeah. Uh, now, something I really like about what was going on is, so, they've introduced the fact that there are gang wars in Shanghai, so they're in China, with Chinese and people of Chinese and Japanese descent, between the world wars, and German and French forces are also involved. So it's a huge geopolitical firestorm as things are happening. Mm-hmm. And that really brings the characters into, you know... What could become apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. And for Japan, it actually does become apocalyptic. Because uh, they do get nuked twice. 
Yeah, but that's not really end of the world. Apocalypse means kind of the end of the world, end of everything type thing. Yeah, they get nuked twice, and I'm not trying to say that's yeah. not... I'm not saying that's not horrible, because it was. It was. That being said, it's not apocalyptic. So, anyways. So. <laughs> okay, um, so... Yeah, no, the political intrigue... One thing that... You can't get away with, away with this in modern American cartoons. You really can't. No. When they show us the German general and then the French general or the, the officers or whatever, they were such racial slur caricatures. Yeah, they they were stereotypes. Uh-huh. That being said... The, the German general was literally a pig man. He was a pig man with tusks coming out of his, ma- of his mouth. But that being said... Licking and fondling his own dagger. Go on. Yes, that, that being said. That being said, I don't think the author was being racist because if you go back to Fist of the North Star, a lot of the underlings looked like that. They yeah. were all just horrible people. Yeah, they're characters. And all he did, all he did, was he took that and put it where uh, it's yeah. somewhere else. I that's... don't think he was actively trying to be racist. No, I think that's just you know that's his art style. No, and besides, you can do anything you want to Nazis. Yes, and that was a Nazi, and the other guy was French. So do we really care in America? anyways uh so anyways uh next up yeah next up we got the character design we wanted to talk about a bit Um, okay so what i'm so basing the last 3d anime that i started watching with you was berserk Uh uh-huh and berserk had this bizarre shading effect that kind of looked like it was penciled in and so they had this weird rendering thing they had going for it Uh i was really happy with how the textures and rendering did actually work for this show oh, i love it works in I, this show i mm-hmm. love the 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 detail they put into the flowing robes in mm-hmm. terms of in terms of where they put detail and because because yes uh japanese and chinese um ceremonial garb is ornate and they captured that i think especially yeah. with uh kenshiro's with uh, kenshiro mm-hmm. yeah and so I really liked the detail they How put into that. How he's barely fitting into his outfit. Oh. Just, just the details on the outfit itself. Not necessarily how it fits. <laughs> so big. Um, he's, that, that, that was one of the other problems I had with the animation and the rigging. Is that you can... I don't know if... Uh, he animates like a... a um, like an action figure they've got the articulation of the arms but his chest doesn't move when you expect him to breathe can he breathe with the amount of muscles that he has on his chest that's the real question no he can't and he's making it worse by smoking chain smoking chain smoking lighting three cigarettes at once anyways Uh, but no, yeah, that was that was just something I noticed yeah. is that the, because I actually um, uh, I some years ago I went on a tour of uh, a uh, studio here in Utah called uh-huh. Viewpoint Data Labs, and at the mm-hmm. time they were working on a version of um, of Gauntlet. Gauntlet. Right? Yeah, you were telling me about that. And they had um, and they showed me all the rigging that they did for the characters as they breathed and their idle animations and all of the things that they did, and so I now pay attention to when three D characters breathe. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't. He was as static as a as a plastic He-Man figure. Well, that being said, I don't think I've noticed 
anime characters breathing or not. A lot of times that they're pretty stoic. Yeah. But when you have so. a 3D character, you expect a little bit more than just stationary stoicism. Okay. Okay. Um, but that that said, their character design is designed for stoicism. They're going for the, not, I don't even flinch when bullets graze past me kind of. Mm-hmm. Oh. The, the overly manly men. The overly manly men. Ugh. Which I... Actually, I do kind of miss that a little bit in modern anime. Mm. A lot of modern anime, they tend to go for the more pretty boy aesthetic um, for their manly men. But um, Yes, this is a clear callback to when men were real men. (laughs) Real men and women. And small fuzzy creatures from Alpha Centauri were real Real small fuzzy creatures from Alpha Centauri. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you, Douglas Adams, for that little bit. Anyways, yeah, no, it's... It's so overly manly and it embraces it. Mm. Like, it it just takes that testosterone and goes on a marathon with it. You know, it's yeah. just... It's all over the place. Yeah. Now, I am not as familiar with the original Fish of the North Star as you. I've seen the mm-hmm. movie, but I was never involved in the series or the manga uh-huh. or the... the the quantities of content that exceeded just what happened in the movie. Uh-huh. Um, the guy with the bandages over his face. Is that a character homage to something? He looks familiar. Like, I swear I saw him in the original Fist of the North Star. I'm drawing stuff, a blank right, but... I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, the only character with bandages all over his body right now is the guy from Ken, uh, from Rurouni Kenshin. Right. That, I remember him. But uh, no, so so in the, this cast of characters, we have a unit of, um, I want to say they're part of the Chinese military, who, uh, mm-hmm. um, including uh, Colonel, I want to say Guile, is that right? Oh, you pull up the names. I took notes on those again. Because I, I swear it was the same as, the same name as the guy from Street Fighter. It's not Guile. But it's something close. Geese. Geese. Okay. G-U-I-S-E. Or Geese, or Geis. however they pronounce it. it they did close. not pronounce it how it's spelled. No, okay. Um, so yeah, so he's one of the characters that seems to share an aesthetic of all these people who know these massive martial arts. There's a, there's a clear distinction of the people who have learned it become... Yes. This shape and have they, this, they spend these decades toning figures. their bodies, and so they've all got super chiseled faces and bodies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are, I think there were like four characters that kind of match that aesthetic. One had the bandages over his face, so you couldn't really tell. Like maybe he had tried the martial arts and it didn't work out for him. Well, I think we'll find out more about him as the series goes, mm-hmm. goes on. He's not really very involved in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's obviously Kenshiro. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is. Uh, Liu Feiyan, mm-hmm. who um, is escorting a young girl around for reasons we're about to get into. Yep. Um, and so he, and so there's the two, and then there was Guy. Liu Feiyan. I got guys. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, so the the meat of the story starts when Gaius is walking the streets of Shanghai and is confronted by a man in a hat and a long duster trench coat type mm-hmm. uh, overcoat. And they get into a fight 
and we don't see what happens in the fight. It cuts away. We hear a scream. Everybody, all the main cast seem to notice a scream, and cut to um, Kinchiro uh, finding um, guys, the colonel, the colonel. Mm-hmm. and then. Um, Finding him with holes in his chest, in like with finger mar- holes in his chest, yep. and a massive rupture on the yeah, other so, side of so, his chest. Some sort of twisting torque, vortex mm-hmm. shape going on with what happened to mm-hmm. his chest. And so, and then, uh, Liu, no, was it Liu Fan who found him first? Oh, uh, yeah. It was, okay, uh, so it was Liu Fan who found him first. Liu Fan. Fan mm-hmm. who found him first and is holding him up. And Kenchiro's there. And Feon assumes Kenshiro did it, and Kenshiro assumes Feon did it, and they start having the first part of their epic fight. Mm-hmm. Which is a throwback to um, Ken and Rei from Fists of the North Star. Um, um, Lou's, um, his character design looks exactly like Rei. Okay. Uh, and Rei, um, they call it a different martial arts style in this one. But uh, Ray knows one of the Southern Star styles of martial arts. And mm. it's the exact same thing where he does a lot of flips in the air and it's very, very graceful. And he um, is able to create energy and invisible energy vortexes with his fingers and toes yeah. to slice people apart. Right. Um, that's that's his martial arts style. Right. And that is what's happening with it, with mm-hmm. what he's doing. And he he just goes beast mode when it, uh, when it suits him. Mm-hmm. Um... Okay. Now, uh, what what brings him to Shanghai is the little girl, Erica. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in this story, the little girl is the holder of a set of books. And the books contain a, um, a list of all the precious artifacts that have been hidden away from the Nazis. That if they got a hold of, they could... Uh, with like artwork and I don't know if those artifacts. I thought it was martial arts. No, I thought it was. I thought it was things of value that if they got their hands on, they could either destroy or, um, it, it was. I swear it was a list. An important of, list of things. It was an important list of things. They just they they normally call it the list. When I watched it, I thought it was a list of like what um. Basically, the flip side of Monuments Men. Mm-hmm. Where Monuments Men was trying to rescue uh, artifacts that had gotten into hold of Nazi um, mm-hmm. hands before the Nazis could destroy it. And they wanted to preserve this history and art and this, these things of value. On the other hand, um, these uh, German Jews mm-hmm. were hiding um, these things of value, artifacts okay, and resources, yeah. away from the Nazis, and if the Nazis got a hold of, and, and so it was a catalog that was a list of all of these properties and where they were being hidden. Mm-hmm. And if the Nazis got a hold of it, they could raid them and steal them and mm-hmm. finance their empire. Okay, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. It is. Um, I'm the one who misunderstood it. I was probably taking notes on something. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a list of paintings. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and she has this list. And so, so they have these books where these lists, uh, the these books, and they're trying to protect it. And he, and so Liu Fan passes her along to a series of protectors. But everybody that she was assigned, that was assigned to protect her, gets themselves killed 
by a uh, unit of Germans, and the Germans grab the book and are about to execute her when she's rescued by Liu Fan. Mm-hmm. Um, it is then, or shortly thereafter, that it's revealed that the books are fake. Mm-hmm. And that what's actually going on is not dissimilar from what's happening in... Um, the other anime we watched a couple uh, last week or the week before, no, the week before, um, uh, a certain magical index. Mm-hmm. Turns out this girl has photographic memory and memorized mm-hmm. the list, and they're carrying around fakes in and, case they get captured. And when I saw that, at first I thought, oh man, are you serious? This is like this thing again? Then I realized, wait, no, Fist of the North Star or Fist of the Blue Sky, the Genesis. The content for it came first. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'll have, to, I'll have to check the years. I'll have to check the years. So, But it's been several years between the two shows. So. Right. And, mm-hmm. then, and then Tom Cruise did something similar in Rogue Nation. So, mm, it's, whatever, so, yeah. it's, out, so it's out there. Mm-hmm. It's out there. But yeah, no, I really actually... I, I also... Uh, I enjoyed the twist when I sat back and I thought about it. You know, it's... Uh, it gives a lot of importance to the girl. It immediately attaches a lot of importance to them trying to keep her safe, keep her alive. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than her just being like Fist of the North Star, it had the kid companions in it. Yes. Um, um, Bart and the girl's name. I cannot remember the girl's name. And they were just kind of there mm-hmm. for a lot of the time, you know? They were just kind of there. Um, without yeah, ever they... serving any real purpose. Whereas yeah. this time around, the girl does serve a purpose. Right, and that's so, a, that's, and an, that's an improvement on the, uh, the it's plot. It's a big improvement on the plot. Uh, so uh, those characters are supposed to serve as you know viewpoint characters because mm-hmm. we're we're supposed we we're not supposed to identify with Kenshiro. We haven't been through what he's been through. We're supposed to be in awe of him as characters watching him are in awe of him. Mm-hmm. But in order for us to really you know, empathize with those characters, we actually have to have more from their point of view. Mm-hmm. And they were just sort of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so just, just a thought that when you have point of view characters, actually get, actually let us know what their point of view is. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, um, Matthew Broderick's character, the thief in Ladyhawk, lets us know his point of view is at all times. Mm-hmm. Yep. <coughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, so these two uh, are fighting, um, but the fight gets broken up as the military shows up and thinks that they both killed him. Mm-hmm. And so they all run off and they end up hiding on a boat. Yes. And they realize, oh, wait, we didn't finish our fight. And they go off and they get on top of the roof to finish the fight. But then um, the female leader of the, of the mob, um, she comes right. down and stops the fight. Right. She comes down and she stops the fight. And that, um, let me get her name again real fast. Yuling. 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 Uh, and Yuling, um, actually, this is the sequel series. Uh-huh. Uh, she and Ken are married. They got married at the end of the previous series. Oh, okay. Yep. So that's why, you know, they share so many moments and like they're shown cuddling and stuff like that. Okay. In a couple of scenes. Um, yeah, they're married. Right. So. So, yeah, I think that that would explain why. Okay, so yeah, they refer to him by a Mister Chinese name at some point, and I didn't catch what it was. But the fact that they gave Kenshiro a Chinese name was like, wait, what? 
we'll for just a moment. But then, first. but yeah. But everyone just calls him Ken after that. Yes. So, so it might be in relation to a name he had to adopt when he got married or something. Mm-hmm. So, or I don't know. Um, I have I have not actually watched the previous series to this. So True. I was excited. To, I was just excited. To so have yeah, more, this this review, more star stuff. Yeah, this review is based on us only having watched the first three episodes of this series, mm-hmm. and bringing whatever else we happen to know into it, but we don't know much about yep. before Regenesis. And she holds up a gun to um, to Liu's uh, face, mm-hmm. which somehow stops him. Yeah, I think he's just thinking twice about what to do. Because I don't think it would... Yeah, I, it, he's, he's not afraid of the gun, no, obviously. he's not afraid of the gun. He's uh, he's reassessing the situation. Mm-hmm. Because he could kill her in a heartbeat, but she's pretty. And so why is she getting in between this? Yeah, she... And she... And she, and she, she, and she literally didn't... jumped right in. Like, she jumped off of a bridge and landed on top of the, of the boat in between the two of them as they were about to go for killing blows. Yes. So... Either she's incredibly stupid or incredibly brave. It's amazing how often those two are coincide. Mm-hmm. But they break up the fight and they kind of go into the backstory about how, yeah, we're the people who hired you to bring her to us. And then even after that, um, Liu he, takes off because Liu is looking for somebody strong enough to protect. Um, yes, because he was witness to... To protect Erica. He was witness to the death of Erica's family and the people around her. And was witness to the death of the people that he had first given Erica to. And he absolutely has to find a protector. Because... Because... He's dying. He's coughing up blood. He's. Mm-hmm. We're not told what the illness is that he has, but he has some sort of fatal illness that is limiting how much time he has. And if he's not around to protect her, she won't survive and so he has to find someone who can protect her someone stronger than himself he's trying to find somebody who can defeat him in combat uh and then entrust him entrust erica to him yes which is one of the reasons he's pushing ken into a fight yes because he thinks he knows that well he knows that ken is stronger than him but he needs he needs to know uh there there is an old wisdom that you do not truly know someone until you fight them Uh uh-huh um, and that's what he, ha- that's what he's doing is he is learning everything he can about Kenshiro and verifying that he mm-hmm. is the man that's, that he needs to protect Erica. Mm-hmm. And so they, um, he goes off with Erica and then he brings Erica back after a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, this is after the boat fiasco where, you know, the the caricatures of the uh, of the German officer and the French officer. Actually, the German officer accidentally kills the French officer because he's yeah. playing with his knife. And then uh, the French officer... I forget what the French officer does, but the German officer ends up pushing back. Uh-huh. But pushes back with his knife in his hand and then realizes, oh, crap, I just stabbed this French officer. Yeah. And then a fight breaks out between those two and they use that fight to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, but they... Uh, and when we say a fight, usually in this context we would talk about fist fights, but really it's just a, a unit of French soldiers and a unit of German soldiers exchanging gunfire. Yeah, for some, reason the, for some reason the German soldiers are all armed with Tommy guns. Yeah, I don't think that was standard issue. But 
Whatever. It, it, it might be... Well, the, the first scene featured Tommy guns being used by gangsters. Well, yeah, that's and because it's possible that's the that they image that you have. That is the image you have. And it's possible that they literally just didn't have the budget for another type of gun. That's really sad. That's really sad. It, would it take it, that much to design another gun? I mean, they have to have models they can already use. But anyways. Anyways. Um... Maybe they used placeholders for a time being mm -hmm. what, and thought, oh, we'll get to changing the gun around, mm -hmm. and then never got around to it. But anyways, um, after the um, the funeral services for the colonel, yeah, um, the the woman, um, I've got to pull up her name again. I'm terrible with Chinese names. Mm -hmm. Yu Ling. Yu Ling. Uh, Yuling is um, is kneeling in prayer, which is very very odd for uh, for me because she's Chinese. But after re reading the wiki article that you sent me, yes, and I looked up the characters and stuff like that, and apparently her she has her character has Christian roots. Okay, so um, that's why she's actually kneeling in prayer like she does in that scene. And they don't bother explaining it because it's the sequel series. Why bother explaining it? Right. Um, but she's kneeling in prayer, and then um, Louis shows up again, or Liu shows up again, mm -hmm. and he drops off Erica and says, take care of her, I'm going to go fight Ken. Yes. And she's like, why? Why are you doing that? And he's like, Did you already resolve the fight? Did you already resolve the fight? He's like, no, uh, we're destined to fight to the death. And that's when I wrote so overly manly. I was just like, uh, I'm a man's man, I have to keep going until I'm dead or my enemies are dead. You know? Just... <laughs> Crazy, silly stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's demonstrated. He goes after some mob, some gangsters and just annihilates them. He goes after the gangsters that Kenshiro is a part of. Like, those. Ah. that's what draws him out. He's going crazy. Like, he's, uh, he's uh, killing a bunch of low-level thugs in, like, one of their main hideouts. Okay. And so Kenshiro comes up and they start fighting. Um, and, uh, this is when I noticed just how much better the CG was in the fight scenes, because the fight between Ken and Liu, um, was really, really good. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed the fight. Um, the animation quality, um, the timing, the pacing, all that stuff, it was just a really, really fun fight to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, and as, uh, the fight's going on, Erica wakes up and, uh, immediately asks where Leo is mm -hmm. and um Yuling says oh he's gone off to to fight uh Ken and she Erica says no 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 he can't and she explains something to uh Yuling and they end up going on to the fight yeah um they they they, they take a car mm -hmm. they take a car to the fight and on the on the ride over there Erica starts praying, saying, please help me to be there for his last moments. Yes. So Erica knows that he's he's approaching death. Yes. Um, uh, so the fight... Uh, the fight kind of finishes with uh, Liu agree, um, taking a hit to try to get at Kenshiro. Ken. At mm -hmm. Ken. Um, the... the uh, so it's kind of... It's a... A bit like the end of Excalibur, where he just lets something pass through him as he goes mm, in for the kill. Spoiler alert. On a 40-year-old movie. That's not 40 years old. It came out the year I was born. And you're 40. 
I've got some years left before then. Yeah, I know. Uh, Three. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so yeah, he's got a he's got Kenshira's hand through his left shoulder as he's trying to get to Kenshira's neck with his cutting uh, attack. Um. But yeah, he has the hand through his left shoulder, but what's killing him is the sickness. That's just how manly he is. That is how manly he is. That's how manly he is. The only thing that can kill him is this weird sickness that they never even explain what it is. It's just the cough-up blood sickness. Mm-hmm. With certain symptoms of death and jitis. <laughs> uh, no, wait, that was Excel Saga. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was Excel Saga. Uh, anyways, um... As they're about to kill each other, Mm -hmm. Erica shows up, and the fight ends, and you know, blah 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 blah. All this great stuff happens, and great by great stuff I mean, Erica shows up just in uh, time to watch uh, Liu attempt to kill himself with his own martial art of power. He's mm -hmm. got his fingers right next to his neck, Mm -hmm. ready to commit ritual suicide and and trade stewardship of Erica over to Mm -hmm. exchange stewardship. Oh, before before Erica shows up. Uh, Liu is about to do his killing blow on Ken, yeah. but then Ken does the typical fist of the North Star thing where he just yells and flexes his muscles, and suddenly he starts glowing. And all of his wounds heal. And all of his wounds heal, and he's like, you got nothing on me. And Liu's just like, well, yeah, nope, nope, you win. And so he's about you to... You win, you can protect her. Yeah, you're stronger than I am, you can protect her. And he's about to kill himself by using his own attack on his neck, and then, yeah, Erica shows up. And then Erica shows mm-hmm. up, pleading for him to spare himself, and... It's a big emotional moment. Kenshiro tells him, "Live the rest of your life for her." Uh huh. And that's how. And so he then great big stabs him in the head. Yes, with his finger. Yes, he and does. And this is yeah. one of the things that, again, they didn't really explain. But as I said earlier, the divine fist of the North Star—it's not only meant for killing, but it's also meant for healing. Right. So I don't know if he postponed his death or if he. Bam! Poked him in the head and healed and the disease. Healed all the in, healed all. The, uh, I I don't think he healed the disease. Mm-hmm. I think he healed all the injuries that accrued during the fight. Because they got a lot of cuts and bruises and wounds, so I think he healed him from those injuries, but not from the disease. Mm, possible. I'll have to see more. Well, it's coming. Yeah, yeah, it's coming. All right, well, that's it, though. I mean. Negatives about the show, it's the CG, definitely the animation. Um, uh, one of the limitations of the animation, that it, um, it's a little bit more child-friendly than the original. Because they don't have as much exploding people as the original. The show's did. just started, let's give them some time. Well, they, they, they may end up having the effect later, but Kenshiro does use his, you know, blow-up stuff on some, you know... The generic character. Mm -hmm. And they have something happening where their brain starts swelling. And then... Eh. Ragdolled. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna say I kind of was disappointed in that. Yeah. So... I mean... That's one of the things that... uh, You look forward to Fist of the North Star. You go in expecting certain things. It's like going to a Saw movie and then you don't get gore. Yeah. Not that I actually care about Saw. No, not garbage. But yeah, no, no, like, it's torture porn. If you're if you're going for it, you're going for what you're going for. Mm-hmm. But like, there's this great scene in the Fist of the North Star manga uh-huh. where Kenshiro comes up against a guy and chops his face, 
and the, his hand, just the side of his hand, has left an imprint on this guy's face where it's all just now bent inwards. Yes. In the exact position of his hand. Yeah. Or the exact shape of his of the side of his hand. Now, and then the I guy falls t- over and just blows to pieces. Yeah. Now, I can tell you how to do that in CG. There are tools for warping a 3D model in exactly that type of a, a mm-hmm. manner. So recreating that is not that hard. Refining it is. But, mm-hmm. you know, but that's not something they even did with this uh, mm-hmm. these three episodes. Is to get into what you can do. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, maybe they're waiting for more the more violent stuff for for later on, or maybe they did just decide to tone it down, which is just that's just weird for me. Why would you do a Fist of the North Star series and tone down the violence? Right. I mean, they had Sheen Fist of the North Star, uh, which was announced while I was actually in Japan, and it was um, done by the same studio studio that did the remake of Vampire Hunter D. Uh huh. Or not the remake. I guess it's more of a sequel. No, Bloodlust. Yeah, Blood Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. Yeah, they did Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. I guess. So, yeah, I guess it kind of, kind of was a remake, wasn't it? Um. um well, but anyways, was... it's done by the same studio, okay. and they completely embraced the violence. Like right. you see the individual teeth from mouths and stuff as they explode. Right. It is not intended for younger audiences. No. It is more for the older people. Um, because even in the old anime, the one that was made in the 80s, um, whenever somebody blows up, the screen goes either red or Yeah, they, or, si- they, or do, a, blue they do a or graphic silhouette. And then they make a, a white silhouette or a black silhouette against that background and showing what's happening, but none of the gory details. No, but the, but the, what happens to their silhouette ripping apart, exploding, mm-hmm. and just doing different while the human monsters. While things. the person is screaming for his life. Yes. But it's okay because they're bad people that this is happening to. Whoops, there goes my tablet. <laughs> but it's bad people that it's happening to, so it's okay. That's one of the coolest things about Kenshiro is that he's got a heart of gold. That's why people love him so much is, yeah, he is... Um, he's a badass. I mean, he is a cold stone killer, but he doesn't use his abilities unless it's on somebody who deserves it. Yeah. So, so yeah. Anyways, I'm a big Fist of the North Star fan. I will say this did leave me wishing for more. Um, feeling a bit lackluster compared to the other Fist of the North Star stuff. Um, I'm willing to give it a couple more episodes, though, just to see where they go. See yeah. what goes with it. Um, but, yeah, what about you? What are your thoughts? Um, you know what? I don't think I'm thinking if someone recommends that and demonstrates that it does get better, mm-hmm. I'll go back to it. But for for me, I'm it's not something I'm going to put time into. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's other things to watch. Um, I I want to see where it goes. Um, want to no, see yeah. if they still improve it. Right. So I may give it a couple more episodes, but at the same time, it's not high on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot of other things I need to watch and things I need to work on. But anyways, um, that's it for Fist of the Blue Sky Regenesis. What are we going to be watching next week? Next week, we are watching Magical Girl Ore. And Ore is me in Japanese. So it's a rude way, <laughs> a casual way of saying myself, me. So yeah, usually myself, reserved to by for boys. Yes. So, some translations of the title are uh, Magical Girl Boy, because the original Japanese is uh, Maho, Maho Shoujo 
Ore. Uh-huh, Maho Shoujo Ore, which, which means, means magical, magical girl, girl me. Magical girl me. Uh-huh. Me in the masculine. Mm-hmm. So. Magical Garu Ore. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's been, I've been wanting to review it for a while, but um, I'm not sure what's going on with its schedule. It seems to be coming out every other week instead of every week. And huh. so it just, it's been, it's been on my mind to watch it and review it, but it's just mm-hmm. been taking forever to, uh, to get episodes. And now episode three is finally out and I can't wait to watch it. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Let's go ahead and dig, dig right into that. All right. Okay, and um, with that, that ends our three episodes in segment. Let's go ahead and move on to recommendation of the week. All right, my recommendation of the week goes to uh, a channel on YouTube called Lessons from the Screenplay. Okay. Now, what this gentleman does um, is he reviews different movies and different shows uh, and compares and contrasts the end result to the screenplay that it came from to see mm-hmm. if there's any major differences in how a screen how a movie gets made from that process but he also reviews uh, similarities and compares and contrasts differences he has one video that uh, compares um, whiplash a movie about an aspiring drummer against black Swan a movie about aspiring uh, ballerina mm-hmm. who and how events through their story arc determine the end result for them, mm-hmm. depending on whether or not they become um, a tragic hero or an underdog tale. Okay. Um, another one that he does um, talked about how the screenplay was drastically edited during uh, a movie called um, Ex Machina. It was a movie about a man who had invented an AI so good that it actually had sentience and he had brought somebody else in to um, basically do a Turing test to see if he could identify whether or not this person was an AI or uh, if somebody else was controlling them, if he could even tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it just, t- he showed all, how all this information from the script got cut early uh, in the edit so that you didn't have as much information as you would have otherwise going into different scenes, which changed the context of those scenes. And it, it was just a, a study in the flow of information to an audience and how, and how that can build mystery and tension and, um, and how an audience can actually get a lot of information from very little. Okay. Um, and he's done he's done some anime work and he's done some other things and it's fantastic. Okay, uh, sounds highly interesting. Recommend, highly recommend it. Check him out. Lessons from the screenplay. Lessons from the screenplay. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Um, I guess that brings us to our next segment. A uh, creator shout out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's me this week. And this week, I just want to shout out. It's maybe this is a cop out, but it's a community of creators. Okay. And it's a site called DMsGuild.com. Okay. And what it is, is a site where people can upload their own homebrew Dungeons & Dragons content online for others to use. Wow. Um, I recently found a, um, a list of crits, uh, uh, random events for critical successes or critical fails. Mm-hmm. Um, where critical success would be... Um, uh, Critical success 
you know, you know, you do something, you, you, obviously you do the double damage because it's the critical, and then you, um, roll a d100, and what happens, uh, what number you get tells you what extra happens on the critical, critical success. Mm-hmm. On the critical fail, though, you roll a one, things go real bad. Yeah. Like, real bad. I wish I had written down a couple of things. Uh, that I had come across on the list, but I liked it so much that I downloaded it, and I'm going to use it for my own role-playing games. Fantastic. Um, and um, Matt Mercer, who I brought up before, the DM for Critical Role, mm-hmm. um, he's uploaded every custom thing that he's made for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, one of the characters. And so that's all on there. One of the characters. Yep. Uh, from the first campaign was a gunslinger. Um, originally, they were doing Pathfinder, mm-hmm. is what they were playing, um, but because Pathfinder doesn't translate that well over to a visual format because of all the rules and things and all the rolling and stuff that happens, they switched over to switched over to D and D fifth edition. Okay. And one of the characters was playing a gunslinger in Pathfinder. Those don't don't exist in fifth edition, so no. they had yeah. to make a custom class for fifth edition. Okay. Um, and then it, he also has a new custom class, one that he actually made for um, for Vin Diesel. Because they had a uh, they had a one off session with Vin Diesel be- back when he was in the movie The Last Witch Hunter. Yes, and they had a one off where these uh, voice actors were playing a couple of people from his game were playing Dungeons and Dragons with Vin Diesel for one episode, mm-hmm. and he made a Witch Hunter class for Vin Diesel. Yeah, um, and he made some changes to it, refined the class, and now it's called Bl- a Blood Hunter class okay. instead of a Witch Hunter class. And the Bloodhunter, uh, the guy who's playing the Bloodhunter actually played the Gunslinger in the last game. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I downloaded a bunch of stuff. And uh, you can put your stuff up there for free if you just want people to be able to use it. Uh, you can charge people for it. Mm-hmm. Um, or so you can be like, you know, uh, it's free, but pay what you want for it type thing, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I highly recommend dmsguild.com. That is dmsguild.com for Dungeon Masters Guild. Yes, Dungeon Masters plural, so DMS Guild. dmsguild.com. I highly recommend it. Um, it's a great resource out there uh, for looking for ways to spice up your game. Fantastic. Okay, I think that's it this week. All right. So, we'll catch you all next week. All right. I've been Andrew. I've been Lee. Talk to you guys later.